Hey, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I got one passage of scripture. Normally I have you stand, but I just, I want you to stay seated. I'm going to read this passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 16. This is Paul the Apostle writing to the church of Ephesus. And Paul had a heart for this church because this church was very special to him. Many years before, Paul had went with Silas and and he went to this community that was a, a pagan community. They didn't worship God. They worshiped many gods. They were polytheistic and all kinds of occultic practices. And Paul went there and had a revival and a revolution. I mean, people got radically converted. There were many, many miracles. And so this local church was very special to Paul's heart. He loved this church. And, and he was writing back to this church. And he's expressing his heart for them. And Lord, Lord, Miss Laura and I, 20 years ago, almost 20 years to the date, it would be April 4th, 1999, that, so that would be April 4th, 2019, that City Church would be here for 20 years in this community. And I have just a little bit of an inclination of how Paul felt, his gratitude and his thanksgiving and his heart of love for these people. It's how I feel about this church. It's how I feel about this congregation. But Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 1, he's released the church to Timothy who has been one of his disciples, and the church has grown. It's really, really big. It's a massive church. And he writes back to the church, and he says these words, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And, and today, today is about just saying thanks. And I always want to, and I hope we communicate this this morning to you, but I want you to hear my heart today. Thank you for giving to raise. Thank you, City Church, for giving to raise all the 299 families and individuals, all of you that have given almost $800,000 from the bottom of my heart. Miss Laura and I, our City Church leadership team, we just say thank you. Can we take just a moment and we just give everyone here that was involved in the giving a great big hand this morning. Here's the deal. I don't get a commission for this. This is not about me. This is about the next generation. When we came here 20 years ago, there was no promise of anything. We didn't have a building. We didn't have a congregation. As a matter of fact, there were three families that moved from Seattle to Central Florida with one dream, one vision, and that was to bring God's love to the city one person at a time and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And our primary target from day one was the next generation, was to raise up the next generation I want you to see this picture here. This is actually from our very first Sunday, and it's of my wife, and uh, she's the children's pastor, and it's, she was the de, the de facto children's pastor. It just uh, we didn't have anybody else to do it, and so if you if you have not met my wife yet, if you have met my wife, you know she's one of the happiest people on the planet. She has so much joy. She's constantly giving out and serving, and, and I've thought a lot about this. Why? Like, is that, that's not my natural disposition. My wife calls me grumpy, and then I woke up. You know what I mean? And my natural disposition is more on that side of things, and so God really has to help me to be full of joy. I really am dependent on him. My wife just has this joy that comes out of her. And what I've realized is that she has a yes, a great big yes to God. And 20 years ago, she said yes. Two years ago, 20 years ago, she said yes to be the children's pastor, which really enabled us to lay a foundation of raising up champions for God for the next generation. Two years ago, or a little longer than that, maybe three years ago, our staff began to talk about how we could raise funds to build this building that you're going to see in just a little bit and have an opportunity to walk through at the end of service today. 
And my wife, she's kind of the wordsmith on our team. She loves to craft things and ideas and words. And she wrote this down really quick, and she spoke up. And I want you to hear this quote here. This is her quote. She says, this is what we want to do. We want to raise funds to raise a building so that we can raise up the next generation to be champions for God. That's the mission. That's the passion. That's the heart. That's what drives us to do what we've done. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it in this auditorium to every parent, to every grandparent, to every person in this room. You have someone in your sphere of influence who's younger than you. You have a child. You have a young person, a teen, that God has given you influence in their life. Your number one goal, your number one goal is that your ceiling, however far God takes you, becomes the floor for the next generation. You have a responsibility. We don't just drop our kids off at church and hope they get it by osmosis. We don't do like my doctor, who's a Jewish guy. I like him. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a great doctor. But he told me one time, I was asking about his kids, and he said, well, my wife and I, we don't believe it's our job to tell our kids what to believe, and they can kind of figure it out on their own. I'm like, well, you didn't learn that in Judaism because that's not what the Jewish people teach. It's not, it's not the heart of God. As parents we, and as adults and leaders, we have influence over the next generation. And so our commitment has always been at this local church from the very beginning to raise up a generation who become champions for God. It was in 2005, and City Church was about five years of age. We'd been in multiple movie theaters and lots of locations, and we really needed a permanent facility. And we were in a location where the, the people that had bought the building felt like our time was up, and so we needed to move. And with, at that time, we were located in Longwood. And there was a property that came open in Sanford at 650 East Airport Boulevard. And, and so we moved our congregation to that location. And one of the ways that you know that God is leading you, one of the, one, and one of the ways that you know what God has next for you to do is by what he's put right in front of you. Like sometimes it's the will of God and what's God's will for my life. We make it way too mysterious. We make it way too complicated. And really what the will of God for you to do today is the very next thing he set right before you. And what God is looking for in us, and God is looking for in you and in me, is a yes. Everyone say yes. <clears throat> God's looking for a yes. And we said yes, so we bought this property. I didn't like it necessarily. Didn't necessarily like moving from Longwood to Sanford, but it was the next step. We bought the property. We bought it from a, a school. It was a private school called Page. And when we purchased that property, they sold us the whole complex, the whole building, lock, stock, and barrel, every desk. They had run a private school there for 17 years, and they were done with it. And so they, they sold us this building. And I remember we went in and thought, well, Lord, this is awfully strange. I mean, every classroom's got, you know, chalkboards and grease boards and desks, and it's all ready to go. And, and our mission at that time, we had never thought about being uh, starting a school or being part of a church or that had a school. We were just going to build a local church. And, and we realized that God might be asking us to do something that we had never done before. And that was to start a little local church school and so after a couple of attempts in August of 2007, City Church Academy launched. Now what's amazing, it's amazing that this thing is still in existence, is that after three weeks of existence, the lady that we'd hired to be the director uh, quit. She just, on a Friday, she came to me, she said, Pastor, I'm done, it's all yours. And I'm looking at her, right, you gotta be kidding me. I don't know how to run a school, we've never done this. And my wife had a yes. Everyone said, Miss Laura had a yes. Miss Laura had a yes, and she stepped in. I couldn't believe it. She'd never done it before, 
And she took that school, and over the next seven years, she laid the foundation for City Church Academy to really become the world-class academy that it is today. We've had several directors. We had Ms. Chandra for three years after Ms. Laura. Ms. Laura got cancer at the seventh year, and Ms. Chandra took it over. And this last year, Ms. Francine Waldron has been the director. And I am really proud to report today, 11 years, 150 students now call City Church Academy their home. Come on, can you give God a great big hand? It's really, really, really been amazing. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons along the journey of life. One of the lessons that I've learned about life and ministry is things that generally take twice as long and cost twice as much as you expect. You know, you always think you can do something big quicker and cheaper, and the fact is it usually takes twice the time that you think it's going to take, and it costs you twice as much as what you think it's going to take. And so when we set out uh, to, to build this building over here, at that time we still owned the airport property, and uh, we put that property on the market to sell, and we eventually found a buyer, Action Church, uh, purchased that property. And we are so thankful today for the ministry of Pastor Justin and his Action Church team. They bought that property, and immediately they agreed to lease that school back to us. And so when we bought that, we knew that we had to get right into a, a building program over here to bring our school over. And so, <coughs> excuse me, and so we began on that journey. And we had some really great intentions to build it cheaper than what we could build it, but uh, God's been gracious to us. Our original projections were between 1.1 1 and 1.3. Looks like we're going to land somewhere between 1.5 and 1.6. But here's the thing. We have a 13,000-square-foot building made of solid concrete. It's going to be the safest hurricane-proof building in the whole neighborhood. And everybody's going to want to hang out here when a hurricane comes through. But uh, we're going to build that building for 125 dollars a foot, which is about $1.6 million. Can you give God a great big hand this morning? <laughs> Two years ago, I stood before you, and uh, I said, who's got next? Who's got next? I talked about raising up the next generation. And uh, the life of David, David has always been an inspirational person for me personally. As I read through the stories of the Bible, I read about different people, David's life is just so inspirational, partially, partially because he was a really flawed guy. I mean, he, but here's one thing that David had. David had a passion to serve the purposes of God in his generation. I mean, he was totally consumed with it. Uh, last week, as a matter of fact, last Wednesday, Miss Laura and I were in Israel, and we stood in the battlefield where David fought Goliath. It was just kind of a like surreal moment. I couldn't believe it. I'm standing there, you know, and the guy that's giving the tour talk about, you know, the, the, the Philistines were over in this hill, and you're standing there, you look at this hill over here, and this is where the Israelites were. Here's a 17-year-old boy just consumed with the purposes of God and the passion for God in his life, and he, you know, he takes that Goliath out. But here's the thing with David. David was always fighting people. He's fighting his in-laws. He's fighting outlaws. He's got malcontents. I mean, he just always seemed to be in battles, but when he gets to the end of his life, David's completely focused on fulfilling God's purpose, and that was to set up the next generation. That was to set up the next generation. And really, David has a lot to teach us. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we can learn a couple things from the life of David. First thing that we can learn is that David had a passion to set up. Everyone say set up. Put that point up there for me. David set up the next generation. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 
verse number one. I want to read this to you. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear David's heart. Now, David's been fighting. David has a passion. He's captured Jerusalem. Jerusalem now is going to be the place where the house of God is going to be built. Uh, the, the city's not very big. When David captures Jerusalem, it's not a very big city. It's about 3,000 people. But David knows that there's a future for this city. It's a place that God, God wants his people to come and experience his, his presence through the word and in worship. What's fascinating about the city in Jerusalem is Mount Moriah is on the top of the city of Jerusalem. Mount Moriah was the place that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice 4,000 years ago. It would be the exact place that David was commissioned. It would commission his son to build a tabernacle, to build a temple for God's people to worship. But here's the deal. David knows he's not going to be able to do it, but he has a heart to set up the next generation. Everyone say set up. Come on. He has a heart to set up the next generation. And the Bible says, Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. He's young and inexperienced. And we have hundreds. I don't even want to put a number. We have hundreds and hundreds. Between Pastor Joe's youth ministry, just two weeks ago, he had 180 youth. Had 180 youth in here. Between our youth ministry and our children's ministry, we ministered to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children every single week. And what we know is that they're young and inexperienced. And we also know that they're not paying for them to be here, right? And David understood that. David knew that his son Solomon had a great destiny, Your child, your grandchild, come on, hear me today. They have a great destiny. If they're part of your lineage, if they come from your seed, if they come from your house, you got to believe that. you got to believe that for your kids because no one else is going to believe it. Parent, grandparent, every person in this room, hear me today. The sphere of influence that God has given you is great. And you have the ability to influence the next generation. And listen to this. The Bible says that David said, the young and experienced, and the work ahead of him is enormous. There's a great calling on this generation. The Bible says that we live in a wicked and perverse generation, but we are called to raise up men like Daniel. We are called to raise up men like the Bible calls them sons and daughters of Issachar who understood the times and the seasons that they lived and they went out and they made a difference and they forged a life and they carried the torch and the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to their generation. Hear me today, City Church. Our job is to set up. Everyone say set up the next generation. Because the building that they were going to build was for the Lord God himself. The Lord God himself. Everything we do is for God. We live open-handed. David said, I'm going to set him up. I'm going to set my son up for success. I'm going to set up the next generation to succeed in the purposes of God. The second thing that David did is that David challenged the people to step up. Everyone say, step up. I'm challenging you today. I challenged two years ago. I stood before this congregation. I challenge you to step up for the next generation. And there's a challenge before us today. I mean, it, it, it's, there's no one else going to do this. This is, this is God's heart for this house. This has been our vision and our mission for 20 years to step up for the next generation. I want you to look at this verse in verse number 6 here, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The Bible says, now David challenges, he stands before the people, and he says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? 
Then the leaders of family, the officers of tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. David challenged him. Who's willing today? Who's willing? Who's all in? Who's all in? This thing happens. Your life is built. You are not here today because someone didn't step up for you. Someone stepped up for you at some point in your life. There's no, no such thing as a self-made person. You had a teacher. You had a parent. You had a neighbor. You had someone along your life. I had a fourth grade teacher, Miss Miller, only teacher that I can hardly remember who believed in me. One fourth grade teacher believed in Junior Smith. I'm telling you, I'm different today because of Miss Miller. She made an impact on my life. David, who's willing? Come on, who's willing to step up? And the Bible says that they gave, that they gave, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. And that's what this church has done. What you don't know, many of you that are new to this congregation, you're new to our experience, is that two years ago I stood before this congregation and I said, listen, we got to build a building for the kids. But I just stood before you two years before that and said, hey, we have an opportunity to buy a property over on Orange Boulevard because the place that we were meeting was too small for the vision that God had put in our hearts. And this congregation stepped up and gave hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars so that we could purchase this building. And then I come right back again. But hear me today. I don't get a commission on this. This is not for me. This has nothing to do with my ministry, my name. This is for the Lord God himself. Everything we do is for the Lord God. Everything is, we do is to make the name of Jesus famous in our city. And it requires, it requires a commitment. It requires some people who are willing to step up. And when you step up, you are setting up the next generation, and you receive the blessing. Jesus said it like this in the book of Acts. Jesus said, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I love, I love what God has done in this house. I want you to check out this video. I want you to see some parents who have stepped up, who have been willing to do their part. I want you to listen to this video. I love city kids because it's fun and because the kids are loved and because of Pastor Nathan's heart. My name is Lucian and I love city kids because it teaches us more about Jesus Christ. The singing and dancing and worshiping. My name is Caitlin and I like city kids because it is fun and it is inspirational. My favorite song is Who I Wanna Be. I'm a child of God, you know it. My favorite movie city kids was 
when okay. Pastor Nathan got gummy applesauce dumped on his head. When we get to do worship. Pastor Nathan inspires me because his attitude is very nice, he's kind, and he's really funny. It warms my heart when she comes home and tells me what she learned. The best lesson I've ever learned is not putting other things over God. So after he got baptized, he was kind of reading his Bible and praying, and he always watches out for his sister. We're looking forward to Naya getting baptized. It's rewarding to know that what the pastor and all the volunteers, what they do is amazing because they pour into her and she grabs everything. We see the sweet spirit in Daniel. He's an awesome kid. It's definitely the best decision I've made to come here, just to get my kids involved in the church. I love it. I feel like a part of the family. I couldn't see myself at any other church. I love City Kids. I love City Kids. We love City Kids! What I love about CCA? Well, um, I don't like it, I love it. The reason why I love CCA. Our son is uh, two and we needed some socialization. For our son, it's one of his happy places. It's given my son the space to become independent and grow into the leader that he is naturally created to be. It seems to have helped him become more expressive. He's kind of come out of his little shell. He is learning colors and letters and numbers and words and dances and music. There's just, just so much. I have a peace of mind. I don't have to worry about him being safe. This is a great place. My son, Martin, um, currently comes here and I'm so thankful for CCA because he's being filled with good instruction, good principles to be a better human being for this world. The teachers were so welcoming. It didn't take him long to warm up at all and he feels like this is his family. So. When we wake up in the morning, he's actually excited to go to school. Um, when we pick him up in the afternoon, sometimes it's a struggle to get him to leave. He likes it so much. And he just seems to be excited about coming to school. The call of the pastor that he had, I mean, it's amazing because it's just growing. And we see that growing, not just out, but growing inside their hearts. My daughter came home and she started telling me about the Holy Spirit. And there was something so beautiful about hearing her tell me about the Holy Spirit because I didn't learn about the Holy Spirit until I was probably in my 20s. These, uh, these teachers, are, they love Jesus, they're spirit-filled, and, uh, and we see that. We see the impact in our kids. So we live in the land. It's a sacrifice coming here every day driving. And you know what? It, it, it's, it's worth it because you see the overflow on the small little kids. They're praising God, they're worshiping God. They just love it. He is hearing the word of God. He is singing wonderful songs, Christian songs. We've fallen in love with our teachers and the curriculum and just everything about it just seems right for our family. And we're looking forward to sending our youngest here as well. We're willing to go all the way with this. And I encourage anybody that wants to do this, you'll see it. I mean, it's amazing, it's amazing. CCA is great. I thank God for CCA. <laughs>
And the last thing that I want you to see in our passage in 1 Chronicles 29 is that they gave sacrificially. In 1 Chronicles 29, 7, the Bible says, they gave towards the work on the temple of God. 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold. Everyone said, that's a lot of money. It's millions. I mean, I calculated it yesterday. It's like 30, like the 10 tons or the five talents is like 33 million, not including everything else they gave. The people gave lots of money to build the house for the next generation. It was sacrificial. They put their faith in action. And the way that we put our faith in action many times is in our finances. Their hearts were set to do the work and the will of God in their generation. When I stood before this congregation, I had no idea two years ago the response. And I was really, really grateful to the Lord. And when I saw that response, 915,299 families and individuals that were willing to give, it touched my heart. I knew that there were some people that were going to be blessed. I know there were some people that God was going to do a great, great thing in their life as a response, as a, as a response to their saying yes to God. I received a text last night from a young family in our church, young family, just starting out, and they made that commitment two years ago. I want to read this text that this young woman sent to me last night. She said, we know tomorrow is the celebration of race, and we wanted to share with you how good God is. For over a year, we've been wanting a grill but in putting it off to buy other things and paying off hospital bills. We told ourselves last year, the next time we get a bonus through work, we would buy a grill. This week, we were blessed to get a bonus and knew the amount was just shy of the remainder amount we had pledged to give to the race campaign two years ago. We knew we wanted to pay off the remainder, so we put all the money from the bonus after tithe with some additional money to complete what we had pledged and paid that yesterday morning online. At 6.30 last night, we'd already made plans with a couple from church to have dinner at our home. And when they had arrived, they came with the grill in the box, still in the box. It had never been opened. From three years ago, they had gotten as a wedding gift. We can't wait to celebrate tomorrow because our God is so faithful and always comes through when we least expect it. Come on, can you give God a great big hand? Yes, yeah, we take care of God's business. God always takes care of our business. I want you to just see kind of what the fruit, you know, those of you that have given, I want you just to see, just you're going to get a chance to walk through there. This building's going to be done soon. We are heading to the final stretch. I hate to put dates on it because there's so many variables, but we're looking to have this building completed by the end of May. And, but I want you to get just, would you get a kind of a little taste of what this building is going to look like on the inside. Check this out.
That's awesome. You know, some of you are here today and you haven't had an opportunity. Yeah, that's good. Clap. It's it's going to be a beautiful, world-class facility. And some of you here, you just you haven't had a chance. You haven't had an opportunity. You didn't know about this. Uh, Paul was writing to the church of Philippi. He's in prison. And what re what's remarkable to me is Paul's expression of care, concern, and love for him those that he's impacted for the gospel but he's constantly challenging them to live a life of faith the bible says the just shall live by faith without faith it is impossible to please god and they that want to please god must believe that god exists and rewards them that diligently seek him I mean, from the ancient of times to this very day, people who live an abundant, blessed life are people who live lives of faith. Faith is simply trust and confidence that God has my back. God has my very best in mind. And if I put him first, if I put him first in my marriage, I put him first in my job, put him first in my family, put him first in serving in my local church, God's going to take care of everything in my life. God's going to meet every need of my life. And Paul writes to the church at Philippi these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Paul says, the gifts that you have given, the gifts that you have given, they're a fragrant offering. They're an acceptable sacrifice. They're pleasing to God. What you give today, remember your gift, you are giving to God. you got to believe that. The enemy is so distorted and so lied and giving people such a wrong perception about what it means to give to God. They think the preachers are in it for the money. It's just all a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of nonsense. There's always abuse in every sphere of life. Come on, in every sphere of life, there's abuse. But that's not the heart of this house, and that's not the heart of this leadership team. And we are here today. When you give, man, God is saying that's an acceptable sacrifice. It's pleasing to him. And this is the response. This is God's promise to people who give in faith. My God, everyone say, my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God, it's personal. It's per this is a personal relationship that we have with God. My trust and confidence is in God completely. I put my trust and hope in him. And when my faith is weak, when my faith is weak and our faith gets weak, I have to remind myself that he's my God. He's my God that in the beginning, the very beginning, he simply spoke. I don't know how this happened, but God spoke and the universe and the worlds came into existence. It was my God that was there with Abraham when he was at Mount Moriah willing to offer his only son as a sacrifice. It was my God that spoke to him. He said, Abraham, I am your source. I will supply. I will meet your every need. It was my God that was there with Moses when Moses brought the children of Israel out of captivity and brought them up to the Red Sea and there was an impossibility. There was a giant ocean that laid before him and the armies of Egypt were bearing down in their backside. And There was a my God moment when Moses raised that staff. God parted that water and they walked across on dry ground. There was a my God moment. There's a my God moment in your life today that my God will meet every single one of our needs. He just simply wants us to believe. To believe. To put our trust in Him.